0: Stay Inspired on the Go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message. It's old school
1: perspectives tonight. Let me just welcome my guests before I give you your business tip for the day. Good evening, Ziggy. Good evening, Good to see you again on Springboard. Happy to be here again. How is everything going?
2: Well, we are
1: persevering, as we say. Right. Carol, how are you?
3: Very well. It's always Very good well, to see you. Thank you.
4: you.
1: Absolutely. You, you are my boss at the foundation, so. Joel, thanks how for is, coming.
3: You're most welcome. You you're came welcome. accompanied. I would have said you are most welcome. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs>
1: Rachel, good to see you. All right. So uh, the show tonight has has Ziggy, Carol, uh, and Joel representing Motown and giving us some perspectives on the theme of repositioning. Before we even go into our main discussion, uh, my my preamble was was about planning and about the fact that You need to sit down and plan before you execute. But another school of thought says, really, listen, hit the ground running. And as you move, the thoughts will come after all. Some of the best entrepreneurs never learned anything about planning. Let me find out from you, Ziggy, What are your thoughts, very
2: briefly, on this? I believe you need a balance of both. Um, To survive uh, and to be ahead of the game these days, you need to be adaptable. But in the same time, you really need to have a fair idea and clarity of which direction you're going, where you're going, and what the prospects are. So I'd say you need a fine balance of planning and able to deliver those plans into action and not be fixated on one or the other. It's a very,
1: it's it's the pacifist's perfect reaction. You need need both. Carol, some are arguing that, listen, there are people who didn't go to school, who didn't learn systematic planning, but they've built entities that we, the book long, people have never built. What's your reaction?
4: I'm not sure that they're totally right. Because for all those people who have built all these huge empires, they started because they had a dream, they had a thought about something, and they, they, they planned to take a step. They didn't just wake up and put their foot out there thinking, okay, I don't care where, where my foot lands, I'm just going. So you must, like, like Sigi said, you must have you know, a fairly good balance of, of, of both, but I believe strongly that you must start by having a plan, a thought, an idea, and building on it. You can't really do it in a vacuum. There has to be a plan. Jewel, Planning or action? Plan action. Wow.
3: <laughs> no, that's a new one. So clearly, I believe, I believe in, in, in what both Ziggy and Carol have said, which essentially is that you need some element of both. Now, it is true that people would say that most entrepreneurs don't necessarily have plans, but I don't think that's correct. Because even though ideally plans should be documented, they don't necessarily have to be documented to be called plans plan a plan is really just knowing where you want to go and taking the necessary steps along the path to getting you there right and as you take those steps along those paths, you'll be faced with several options and you're going to have to take decisions and you're going to have to act on those decisions so if you're going to be successful you need a sense of where you're going and you need to take definite actions to get you there so it's really a mix of planning and action and it's called what uh, Plaxion. My Plaxion. <laughs> what is start! Plashion. I'm going to write
1: that to you in my springboard encyclopedia. this. There's, there's this big discussion taking place that the world is changing very
3: fast and we need to reposition ourselves. What, what do you think about the need for repositioning? Well, the world is not changing. The world has changed. And the earlier we recognize that and begin to think along those lines, the better it will be for all of us. And indeed, it will continue changing. Now, what is repositioning? To keep it very layman if you want it's really changing your position or changing your perspective or changing the way you do things now back in the day for instance if you were an entrepreneur you were starting a business your first thoughts would be to how do i reach everybody in ghana today the ghana is no more your marketplace with social media with mobile phones with different payment methods if you continue to look at ghana as a marketplace anybody will blow you out of the water barriers to entry in most businesses keep dropping by the day now beyond just m- the marketplace that are looking at ghana as your 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 territory you're looking at the the consumer themselves now the consumers have changed consumers have changed because now they actually have access to things from all over the world That's you right. want to buy something you go online and you can buy something from max and spencer right here sitting right here in ghana you can buy something from Carrefour, sitting right here in Ghana. You can buy something from any of the big um, departmental shops in the U.S., in the U.K., in China, wherever, sitting right here in Ghana. So if a Ghanaian entrepreneur is looking at, for instance, quality and says that, oh, my competition is my next door neighbor here in Accra, that's false. Because the, best, the consumer has a choice between buying what you're offering, what your Accra next door neighbor is offering, and indeed what the world is offering. Now, Ease of payment. They're going to sit here and they're going to make payments with credit cards or any of the bank cards. I mean, most banks today are throwing in Visa, MasterCard. It just makes it easier for somebody to sit here and actually order something from across the world and have it delivered here. So that in, that, in that sense, the world has changed. And people need to begin to recognize that it's no more just me, my family, my, my next door neighbors, my country. It's, it's a bigger market. I mean, we, need, we need to begin to think along those lines. Carol, Joel almost makes it sound frightening
1: the fact that you suddenly are competing with several players across the world should we be scared is it an
4: opportunity or a threat i think it's it's more of an opportunity than a threat and i say this because you know even as as we sit here we have children if you look at what life was like and how your parents disciplined you how your parents brought you up how your parents acquired things for you As a child and took decisions for you You know, Your father decided that these were the shoes that Were best for you And and you wore them But I don't think today you can look at your child and say These are the shoes that are best for you Your child has access to information And so they can make Intelligent decisions And as Joel said They're competing with Children all over the world So you can't limit your child To what you think Because that is how you were brought up you must be ready to move along with your child and look at the world as it is today and what are the best what is the best way of bringing up that child today so at the end of the day you really can't stay in one place and say that this is the way it was done when i was a child and it must be done that way forever you will have to change whether you like it or not and it is it is not as simple as saying okay I will just change this one or change the other. You have to understand what is going on. You have to be involved to be able to make a difference. You have to be involved to be able to compete. Ziggy, they say
1: there's nothing new under the sun, but obviously some of the things that Joel is talking about, Carol is talking about, some of the things we are seeing around us are absolutely mind-blowing. How ready are we? Do you get a sense that enough people are thinking about repositioning?
2: I'll give yes and I, I'll give an example. Um I walked into a, a shop the other day and I was pleasantly surprised to find bottled mashed kinky Wow. For sale in the fridge. Mashed kinky, nicely labeled. Um it had all the um you know regulatory approvals and all that. And and a few days later I went there and it wasn't was was gone. It was finished. And that suggested to me that there must be a market for it. And and so it got it got me thinking and and I believe therefore that you know it's it's People are beginning to take advantage of what the opportunities and consumer preferences and changes are. Maybe the, the idea was okay, now people want a, you know, a good, healthy um, quick meal to grab from the fridge because working lives have changed and people don't no longer have the opportunity to do the things they used to do in order to have a good meal. Right. And so, is it frightening? It, it's, it's, it's an opportunity created for people who are aware of what the changes are and have positioned themselves to be able to take advantage of it. But for those who really think uh, are not adept and agile in terms of responding to the changing needs of the things that Joel talked about, ease of payment no more borders in terms of your uh, market and consumer preferences are changing, then obviously they'll still be doing the things that, you know are not really relevant for today's world but i believe that it's created more opportunities and and ought not to be frightening it ought to be challenging for the the more you know ordinary entrepreneur to be able to quickly take advantage of, of the um, interest it presents so let's follow up on that i mean you walk into a shop and you see
1: mashed kinky i mean i've seen coconut water i've seen products that didn't exist 10 years ago things that you probably would have you would have relegated to a certain class of people or a certain part of the market but which are now being repackaged with a different orientation now there still are people out there saying i'm looking for opportunity i'm looking for ideas what kind of thinking makes one bring out ideas like this that have a place in this
2: market what kind of orientation must one have to be able to bring out the right kind of ideas I think it's an um, quite one and very inquiring orientation, and two, your ability to challenge convention, challenge the way things have been done, challenge the way things have been thought through, and also be quite aware of consumer changes and preferences. What is the modern day working person like? What are the needs of the modern day uh, child? What are the needs of of parents? So, it's your ability to understand. The differences that have caused the transition from five years ago or ten years ago where there were no smartphones to the present time, that the you know, technology particularly has affected the way in which people people operate i mean what is new about i mean we are all consumers we all have needs we are all wants it's your ability to be able to challenge the way things are done but also have that mindset of well it could be relevant today but your adapt your ability to adapt and say well what is relevant today may not necessarily be what the market wants tomorrow and what's what think ahead of, of, of what the market needs so is that for me is your ability to challenge convention but also to be adaptable? Right
1: an inquiring mind you challenge convention and then you are adaptable carol as as a user because you're both a producer and a user in one sense or another do you feel that we are releasing enough products because obviously what Ziggy is talking about can really go global and, and and there are products that you you travel and get to see on shelves and these are made from other countries and you're like listen we have better quality of this in ghana you say why why didn't we do this first from, from the perspective of a consumer, do you feel that enough products are being released that meet your need? Or do you feel that there's some products that if they were packaged differently, you will participate in them rather than the raw form in which they've been put? we are still talking about innovation.
4: I think it's, it's, it's both. And I'll tell you, you know, he gave you a story. I'll give you, I'll give you one of my, my things that I, I find interesting, but I, I find quite threatening as well. You know, every morning driving to work, you see all these people on the roadside selling, you know, it started with Kuku King, which is warm, you know, hot food. Then you see people selling fresh vegetables and fruit, and they're standing in the sun. And this thing is not in, in, you know, there's no cold chain. It's, It's sitting in front of them in a basket, and they're selling it. And this is a very hot country. And I'm asking myself, where are the regulators? Aren't they seeing this? Are they waiting for somebody to to get food poisoning before they do something about this? So, yes, I admire the people who are trying to do this. But I'm saying you can't just stop there. You can't stop at just producing the thing. You have to start thinking, how do we keep it fresh so that the the guy who's on the street, I came here, I came to stand there at six o'clock. The guy who's passing by at eight o'clock will buy it. And it's in the same condition as the guy who bought it at six o'clock. But. Uh, we, we need to see that we ourselves are thinking through these things and thinking like 10, 15 years ahead of ourselves because the way to find out some of these things is one, listening to people, watching people, and y- yourself in doing the things that you do. You would want to be able to do it more easily. You'd want to be able to do it quicker. You'd want to be able to have it ready at a certain time. So that in itself should challenge your mind to think, how do I get this to be to be the way I want it, when I want it, how I want it. Because my lifestyle is changing. We're getting busier. We're living further and further away from a crowd. We're spending hours and hours in traffic. So breakfast is eaten probably on the road. Dinner is going to be eaten if it is eaten on the road or it's eaten so late that you are unhealthy. You have to think about these things. And I think we've all got examples in our lives that we can look at which can actually direct the way, the way that we think about these things and therefore challenge us to think, how do I get it to be the way I want? Somebody told me that recently that some there's a country, in some country, they're researching how to preserve yam. So they buy the yam from us in Ghana. Take it to their country. Go and try and figure it out. And before we know it, they will have people supplying the yam to them, they'll repackage it, and then they'll send it back to us. they've
1: started already. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> All right, talking about breakfast on the road and dinner on our way back, I have a, an interesting family example that will come up very shortly. But let me cross over to Joel. His company, by its very name, is innovation-oriented, Innova Ddv. So, Joel, tell me,
3: can innovation be learned, or you must be born with it? You must be curious. Um... And I think he must be committed to making a difference. I mean, when Ziggy was speaking, I, I, three words came to mind that would drive for me the consumer and the ability to satisfy the consumer. It's ease, it's convenience, it's speed. Ease, convenience, ease and speed. convenience, and speed. Today, In today's world, like Carol was saying as well, we spend so much time in traffic. You're in a hurry. As soon as you get to the office, you get there barely on time. So whoever, like Coco King, who's thinking, how can I get, in terms of convenience and ease, how can I get the breakfast that would have been consumed at work or would have been consumed ordinarily at home before you start this traffic journey to the person on the way to work? That in itself starts a new business. So if we focus on getting on these three things, ease, convenience, and speed, and figuring out how can we make something easier for the consumer? How can we make it more convenient for the consumer? How can we make the, convenience, uh, the consumer's life faster? How can we get them to work quickly? What products or services in terms of packing all of those things? Then we will be innovative. So we just need to be curious. We need to ask the right questions. We need to look at the life a day in a life, or a week in a life, or a month in a life of the consumer, figure out what their, their, their various um, challenges are, and come up with products and services that meet or deliver on those challenges. It's really that simple. So we have to be curious. We have to be curious about every single thing. Ask the right questions at every point, And we will come up with several, several, several solutions that you, you would ordinarily not think about and that would meet a consumer need. Let me hit you straight with it. Is, the, is our
1: style of
3: education anti-innovation? Mm-hmm. Ah. How much time do you have, Albert? <laughs> <laughs> because, Albert, I mean, honestly, this for me is one of my big my pet peeves in that I think that as a country, we're talking about repositioning several years I mean there's positive repositioning and there's negative repositioning several years ago as a country we repositioned and went for this albatross that is now around our, our neck which is this JHS SHS system I thought the albatross was single spine
2: <laughs> <laughs> well
3: even before single spine came there was this and I think it's the, singles, the single biggest thing that we've done wrong for this country and unfortunately successive governments of both divides of whatever divide so fortunately I can make this point without seeming political have come and superintended so over a system that is clearly killing us. Now, Carol made the point that our children compete with other kids from around the world. Now, whilst, whilst other people are struggling to make their education more relevant and are up in the ante, we are busy sending our kids to a system that clearly leaves them as academically qualified illiterates. So until a government in this country... Say until again. The Academically qualified illiterates. So until a government in this country or until the people decide that yes, we tried a system, it didn't work and cut that conquer and go back to a tried and tested system which is the, 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 the O level and A level, I think so that would feed our universities that are coming up from around every street corner with proper, proper graduates who will then be trained to offer input into this country to help us compete positively with other countries around the world how about you wasting our time It's telling on our health system, you should sit in an interview trying to recruit staff. And it's crazy. You should see the letters people write seeking employment. You should see people's CVs. You should see what they say or you should hear what they say in interviews. Albert, it's crazy. This educational system is killing this country. And until somebody takes a decision to go back, to admit that as a country we failed and go back and correct it. We are only supertending of a system that's going to get worse and worse and worse. I'm sure there are people who will debate you right down the right on
1: this. Carol, your thoughts on this. Is our educational system anti-innovation?
4: I mean, educational system is, is just a small part of it. I mean, like I, I said to you, we, we are so reactive. It's not even funny. Because as I, I described to you, these people selling fresh fruit on the streets... I mean standard board can't say they can't see it. Food and drugs board can't say they can't see it. Nobody they don't need to wait for somebody to come and tell them. They see it's out there. They are staff. They drive past these things. Some of them even buy it. But it is this whole thing about, no, if you do it, you are spoiling somebody's business. No. Teach them the right thing and let them continue to be in business. But at the same time, the educational system for me is 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 clearly very, very, very disturbing. And if you don't have um, a system that teaches people to think then, and unfortunately, you know, when you speak to some of the teachers who teach these students, then you can understand where the students are coming from. So you think the problem starts with the, 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 the quality of teachers? Well, it's, you see, I, I won't say, it's almost like a chicken and egg situation. I would not say it starts with the quality of teachers. I think it starts from the home. Really, because, there, you know, you will find that there are Hundreds of children going through the system. There are a few of them who turn out a little differently. Why do they do that? Because they come from homes where their parents have time, their parents focus on what they're doing, are interested in what they're doing, but at the same time, they are encouraged. You you see, they're encouraged to think outside the box. But when you go to school where, you know, I recently interviewed somebody who said she had a second class upper in economics. I asked her to define inflation, she could not do it. And a I fruition. couldn't understand yeah. how she could get a second-class upper. It's not possible. It's simply not but possible. But she was, you took her too far. I the took fruition. her too far. So I'm economics major.
1: Let me come to Ziggy. He sits, he sits in the chair as head of HR, so he gets to see a bit more of this oh, than yeah. Joel and Carol would, would allude to. You, you as head of HR get to see thousands of people applying for jobs at Castles, and, by extension, um, across the corporate world. And I'm sure you have very strong thoughts on education vis-a-vis the requirements of a multinational, the requirements of a serious corporate organization. Are we getting it wrong? And if so, where exactly should we be looking?
2: I I joined the issue with Carol and and Joel. Yes, we we appear to be getting it wrong if the criteria for assessing that is the quality of um, graduates we speak to at a time of recruitment. And um, very often, even when you're speaking with graduates who have undergone courses that require some practical project work, you still get that sense that they're doing the pract- you know in inverted commas practical work for purposes of getting that certificate without getting imbibed in it. So. Um, when you probe further, you get people who, are, who you ask, okay, what was your project work in school? And they can vividly describe all the project worked. But when you probe and ask them impact, so you seem to have um, invented something that, you know, according to what you say worked. After you left school, how come you haven't transformed that into a, a product that is available on the market or got people to invest in? And they simply draw a blank. You know they can't go beyond the the concept of putting that idea on paper into translating it into a product that is um, uh, commercial, and 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 I would again use uh, interesting. Just um, yesterday, I was watching a, a repeated version of your PM Express program where uh, Patrick O'Ward the founder and uh, president of Fossey, was being interviewed, and he gave an interesting um, example. Manastaring um, was, was also trying to set up a, an, an engineering part of of the, of the university and. He, he mentioned that in the course of his research, he looked at a curriculum of um, an American university. And for them, project work, for example, would be asking the students to think of something out of nature and use that to create a product in, in, in the engineering world that, that worked. Now, when he came back to Ghana to come and have a look at what the engineering school-type projects were, he found a t- total, completely disconnect between being practical in the nature of the projects they're being given um, versus supporting them to do something on, on paper. And I thought that was a great illustration of, of where we are in our educational uh, curriculum. I mean, you speak to people. Sometimes people come to the office to say, um, to bring a questionnaire based on the research they're doing for their project work. Now, when you look at the questionnaire, you can easily tell that the output of that research will not give them the information they need for the topic they are working on. There's right. a total disconnect. Right. And this is a questionnaire that they've worked with us, they are um, um, lecturers yeah, on, yeah. they've got supervisors, they've been actually okayed and authorized them to go out there and get information on. But there's a total disconnect. And and this uh, and interestingly, a lot of the private universities who we assumed were going to be um, educating Graduates more aligned to the needs of industry. Are the ones uh, uh, who are sort of even feeling worse than, than the traditional universities? So that's a big, big problem. It's interesting
1: hearing this when many people see Ghana as the country with a unique selling proposition in the area of education that is providing solutions that many other co- African countries are gravitating towards. And Minister, we will do this again, but let me give you a, a, a quick reaction, um, Joel.
3: Uh, Albert, look, this, this debate can take years, and it should, really, because I still insist that we need to go back to a system that was proven and that works. Now, I, I, hear, I hear Kofi. I have never said that the JHS system itself is the problem. What I'm saying is that it's not the nomenclature. If we determine that we need to add practical knowledge to an, ex- an, an existing curriculum, let's add it. Kofi says he learned technical drawing in art school. When I was in school, during our o O and A-levels, we had technical drawing as part of our art courses. So in that system, there was technical drawing. If we realize that there are other opportunities, um, catering, whatever it is, that we need to shore up the existing system with, I'm I'm, I'm not against adding on. I'm against a wholesale change that does not deliver value. (coughs) The names I and this this really is gut, but the names that he mentioned, I am a hundred percent sure. No scientific evidence, but I'm a hundred percent sure that if they, those people, Kofi does himself, if he had gone through the system that you and I know, he would have been streets ahead of where he is today. And 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 and, and don't, forget, don't, don't get it wrong. I mean, even in a bar system, there's some people who will stand out. So let's not pick two or three good apples and say that, okay, so because those two or three went through the system and they didn't die, the system is good. The system is bad. Let's deal with the system. Carol,
1: let me ask, what should people do differently to turn things around, particularly in the area of unemployment?
4: I think, first of all, people should start thinking about how to... understanding what the needs of employers are. If they're looking for employment, what are the needs of employers? And how do they... Prepare themselves. Slow down. slow down. My cousin, my cousin is writing these down in Kumasi, or Wa, or Kipkust. Okay. Okay. So okay. slow down. Number one, find out find out what, what employers are looking for. When you found what employers are looking for, look at yourself critically, and f- ask yourself, Do I have what they are looking for? If you don't have it, spend some time, spend some money, sp- put in effort to bring yourself to the level or to add the value that they're looking for to yourself before you go and speak to them because unfortunately I find that a lot of young people are always looking for you know when you talk to them they're looking for a fat salary they want to drive a a fast car they want to drive the car I drive I've been working for more than 20 years how can they drive the car I drive take take it
2: easy (laughs) (laughs) so
4: you have to be prepared to start from the bottom and work your way to the top but you have to be to equip yourself. And it's not just what you studied in school, it's what you read. Young people today, a lot of them, they don't like to read. When you ask them about current affairs, even Ghanaian affairs, they don't know. They don't know what is happening in the world around them. You cannot go and sell yourself to anybody. It's as simple as that. So put some effort and some time, invest. And that's why we talked about investment. It's not just investing money in something that earns you interest, invest in yourself invest in the quality in your quality and then you can go and deliver to somebody who's looking for you because you've invested in yourself
1: in the short term the person has the person is applying for jobs um carl's program of action seems to be something that may take some time to bear fruits and i i dare say it may even involve some financial investment not a whole brief for anyone but if, if, for instance, your, the quality of your language is not good, if, for instance, your skill sets need some broadening, obviously it will take time to bring yourself up to speed. Should you then look elsewhere for some kind of job that, that, that will suit you? Or would you say that there are short-term tips that people can readily apply to at least
2: tide them over in the short term? I would answer by um, going back to um, what Carol said about find out what employers want. And you can do that simply by just asking. You know, everybody I would like to believe has a network. We all go to church. We have in the neighbourhood. We know an uncle who works. So, ask people who work in institutions and organisations or entrepreneurs who who earn income. You know, what is it like to work in an organisation like that? What are the skill set? What are the expectations? And then use that to have a, an idea. What do you do about it now? Once you know that, you then need to do a bit of a self-assessment. Okay, my career was to become a um, ex in, in working in this industry, having gotten Insights about what requirements I, re- I need to get there. I can then say, well, there's k- skills gap between where I am and where there is. It's probably such that I may not get there even if I have a plan doing it in, in, in the short term. So, in the interim, do I then need to consider something else that will fill, fit my current profile based on my understanding of what something else needs? So, I mean, sometimes there's an accolade that uh, some jobs is better than, than no job. But you need to be aware of the fact that doing nothing in the interim is not going to help. So you need clarity about where am I in terms of what I'm capable of doing, what my interests are, what, based on my assessment of what industry wants, what uh, my career path is, do I need to learn to get there. In the interim, what can I d- be doing? And, and sometimes it's not... Sitting in an office, I mean, I interview people and I and, I, and you, during the conversation, he has an auntie who has a coal store in the market and the person has done marketing um, as a diploma. And I said, so go and sit down and figure out how do I help my auntie with a small cold store with the marketing skills that I've learned to transform that business into the preferred coal store in that area. So, whilst you're waiting for somebody to, to give you a job as a brand or marketing manager, you've helped your small-time auntie, based on the marketing, in her cold store, in her K.K. business, to say, well, I can brand it in a way in which uh, everybody wants whatever product my auntie is selling. I come to me. You're practicing what you've learned. you get some experience based on it. And that might be the leverage that you would use in, in the next big job whilst you're waiting to build the skills. I'm going to give you one minute to Joel to give us
1: three words that would help somebody start their own business three things that one should think about if you want to start your own business in exactly one minute and i'm going to give the last minute to carol to tell us about your springboard experience let me start with you joel one minute three things if somebody wants to start a business entrepreneurship yes there's unemployment you see listen i want to start my own business three things the person should think about
3: commitment the consumer and probably focus. And I'll tell you why. Commitment, because there will be challenges along the, along the way. No, no, none of the big organizations or um, big entrepreneurs have succeeded without falling. You will fall several times, but you must be committed to get up and rise up every time you fall and move forward. The consumer, because ultimately whatever business you're starting, somebody or the other is going to have to um, consume to give you the profits that you desire. And focus, because there will be challenges along the way and you need to keep focus on that vision to be able to achieve it. Con-
1: commitment, the consumer, and focus. I want to say a big thank you to you, Joel Netie, Ziggis Monzeble, and Carol Annan for making time to be here on Old School Perspectives.
0: Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Arbet and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages. At Albert Ne and Comfort Okran A for free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email Albert at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus two three three two four nine 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 zero zero zero. You may also subscribe to Amazon.com.